sure to actually hit record this time. <laughs> All right. <coughs> Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of the Pack a Day podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on what is possibly the most exciting NFL date of the calendar year outside of uh, opening day and maybe the Super Bowl, and that is Draft Day. Welcome to Draft Day, everybody. I am Dan Kotnick. My partners today to take a look at uh, everything Packers draft-wise and get us ready and primed for the opening of the draft are my partners Chris Schimmel and Matt Fraley. Guys, how you doing? Fantastic. How are you guys doing? Oh, doing great right now. Good, happy Easter. For sure, for sure. Yeah, exactly. I think probably the draft is the most important non like sixty minutes of play type thing where it's like anything off the field. It's it's got to be the most important, I would think. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think you summed that up pretty well. The most impact, at least maybe not. Um, if you you know if you want to say argue about importance, but at least it's the most impactful day. Um you know, off of, off of the field thing. It's a huge day, um, you know, for everybody. And we've been doing a great job here at the pack a day podcast of, uh, getting you guys ready for it. And today, um, we're just going to mock draft everything. We want to go seven rounds for the Packers. Take a look at the picks where they stand, um, you know, who we want to see with these picks. So as a, just a quick refresher before we jump into the whole mock draft stuff, uh, a refresher of what the Packers have got going into today. So obviously the big ones, two picks in the first round at 12 and 30, and then um, pick number 44 in the second round, 76 in the third round, two picks in the fourth round, 108 and 112, so a nice little sandwich there. And then uh, the 140th in the fifth round, two picks in the sixth round, 172 and 182, and then round that out uh, in round seven at um, 204 overall. So um, overall, guys, uh, we're going to focus a lot on those those first couple of ones, especially the first round. Um, before we jump into to need and everything, this I want to throw a hypothetical out at you guys while we're discussing where the picks are going to land. Um, you know, it's a unique situation this year to have two first round picks, but. Uh, let me throw a hypothetical at you. Would you rather have two first-round picks where the Packers do right now, or would you trade that for a top-five pick overall? I mean, not 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 a not a trade scenario, but rather setting yourself up going into the draft. Would you rather have a top-five or two first-round picks? I go with the two first-round picks right now. Yeah, first two-round picks for sure. I gotta agree with that. I. I... Man, that's tough though. I mean, one because I'm just thinking of the guys you could get, you know, on defense specifically. You know, Bosa, Quinn and Williams, Josh Allen. Like you're for sure getting one of those guys. But I think of you know definitely the the, the men we're going to be talking about in this draft, um, this first round of the first 44 picks. I, I would like to have two of those guys. So I, I got to agree with Dan as well. No, that's all right. Well, that's uh, the situation we're looking at. Two first round picks for the Packers. Um, so obviously, um, we discussed this a little bit. Uh, a lot of the other guys did as well. When uh, free agency hit, the Packers made a lot of uh, unpacker-ish moves um, to go and address some big needs before the draft. And so, 
we go into this draft with uh, kind of an open book that you can kind of write whatever narrative you want uh, to start off with. So going into the draft, biggest needs that you would like to see the Packers address. Maybe not what you think uh, they will or what the biggest needs are, but where do you, where would you like to see them address, um, at least in the first round, Matt? Um, you know, I think it's one of those situations where the Packers set themselves up great in free agency. They're not desperate. Um, that being said, I think it's impact on defense. Um, I would say I would more push towards defensive end outside linebacker than I would cornerback or middle linebacker. Um, but I think it's it definitely has to be someone that can impact the game. Um, I'd be okay also with the safety, as we discussed two weeks ago. Uh, the safety class is extremely deep with a lot of playmakers back there. Um, but if I had to, I've had my flag in the dirt for an outside linebacker, and I'm sticking with it even um, you know on the, the day of the draft here. And Chris? Definitely with the outside linebacker, pass rusher. You know, it, it always looking at past drafts to kind of see what you're getting. But because no more Ted Thompson, it's a little bit dif- more difficult to think, oh, well, you know, we've only had one draft from Goodikunst. So what's he going to be like? Because, you know, like uh, like Matt said about outside, uh, inside linebackers in the first round, you know, ever since they drafted A.J. Hawk fifth overall in 2006, the Packers have drafted 11 inside linebackers. None were selected in the first two rounds. So it's going to be interesting to see how good guns is different from Thompson, how he's going to draft, how he's going to really play. Because the last time the Packers had two first round draft picks, they got BJ Raji and Clay Matthews. So I still see them going defense with the first, at least the number 12 pick. I see them going defense specifically as at a pass rush. Yeah. I think Chris, you hit on the inside linebacker position. I think that's one that's getting kind of overlooked as a, as a need or a place that the Packers can shore up because, um, you know, I was talking with some family about, you know, draft stuff and we were trying to think, I mean, we love AJ Hawk and AJ Hawk is an all time great Packer. I think, uh, you know, when it comes to that inside linebacker position, but really, you know, when's the last time that the Packers had an inside linebacker that you looked at and was actually a feared kind of force in the middle. And, you know, for us, it was Nick Barnett was kind of that last guy, you know, and that's, that goes back to uh, Mike Sherman era. Um, you know, so, th- so that's, that's been a long time for them to, uh, to grab and with the pick that they have, um, you know, at number 12 is an impactful position uh, or an impactful place for them to go and get that guy. Um, so you guys go defense. Uh, let's jump into let's just jump into this uh, head first. We go into the twelfth pick, um, Matt. I know you and I uh, have been using um, a couple of draft simulators to yeah. to take a look at stuff and and mock out how we took. So um, I'll start with you when you started off uh, in your mock draft. Uh, what kind of position were the Packers in, and um, who did you go with at twelve? For sure. And I'm a little late to the party with the mock drafts. You know, I saw some guys and people doing them back in February and March, and I was one of those where, like, I like to do some research, figure out, you know, where things are stand. Let's figure out what your team actually does in free agency before you do that. So I just started on this last week. Um, and going into it, I wanted to do it on a couple different platforms. So I did it on, uh, I believe it's called firstpick.com is the one you told me about, mm-hmm. um, Dan. The other one I did was on uh, FanSpeak. So I wanted to get a variety there. And what the trend I was seeing 
is going into 12, some of those high defensive players are already off the board clearly. Um, also, some guys I was seeing that I didn't expect to be there were um, the likes of all of, I mean, clearly all of the safeties were there, but, you know, Hawkinson was there about 50% of the time at the tight end spot. Um, when I did it on fan speak, rarely was I seeing Brian Burns there, um, who is the guy I want the Packers to take at 12. Yes. Um, that Chris agrees clearly, Dan. <laughs> um, that's, that's who I really, really want. Um, I was a little disappointed. Like I said, I was doing more on fan speak and he's not there as often. So I'm like, Oh, geez, like, where do I go? So, um, if, it, if I had a second choice, I would probably say a TJ Hawkinson just because I don't know if you're going to get another talent like that in the future. But I think the, the tight end class is big enough that at that 30 and 44 spot, you could make a move. Um, so I, I'm going to stick with Brian Burns here. I think, as Chris and I said before we started, that that's the biggest need. I think Brian Burns fixed, fits that role perfectly. Um you know, there was, there's other talent on the board when I'm selecting two, but I think that's who I'm going to go with. And, you know, I, I do think it's one of those situations, guys, where we're going to go back to like the Ted Thompson mindset where, you know, we're, we're not, we're not drafting for need. We're drafting for best available. And mm-hmm. I think 12 actually could be more of that theory because there's going to be a lot of names on the board still there. There's going to be those teams, maybe the Redskins, the Dolphins, the Giants, who are going to trade back up into the top 10 or get into the top 10 again and want to take their quote-unquote franchise quarterback. And I make sure those quotes are very, very bolted around franchise quarterback because I don't know if there really is one in this draft outside of you know maybe a Haskins, maybe a Kyler Murray, but you know someone's going to trade up to get Locke, I would think, or Daniel Jones or whoever it may be. So Talon's going to slip to 12. And I, you know, I would be okay if it was someone that, you know, we wouldn't normally expect the Packers to draft. Maybe it is a cornerback. Maybe it is an offensive lineman. Maybe it is, you know, a a middle linebacker that we didn't expect. But for all intents and purposes, I'm going Brian Burns at 12. Very solid pick. Uh, Chris, your mock draft, who do you have at 12? I actually had the same thing. I had Brian Burns, defensive end out of Florida State at number 12. And then just in case for a 1B, because you know how many times you hear people say, well, he's not going to be there at 12. So I right. I picked uh, Devin White, even though I know it's crazy to think inside linebacker. You haven't had a first-round inside linebacker since A.J. Hawk in 2006. But, you know, I, th- I really think if you swing for the fences and try to get a Luke Keekley-esque kind of dominant first-round inside linebacker, I was going with Devin White. So I'll throw him out there just to be a little different than the Brian Burns. Well, I, I love both of those picks. And the thing with my – when I was, uh, you know, doing a lot of mocks, um, you know, Devin White uh, going a lot earlier than I, you know, could take at 12 and, you know, uh, Matt running in the same position with uh, Brian Burns. So um, the thing that I noticed in mine, and I'm going to go way different than you guys, uh, the first 11 picks, it seems like, you know, the programs are – like projecting, if you say, if you will, uh, a run on offensive linemen. And for me, the offensive linemen, uh, the top tier ones, there's a bit of a gap between the top tier ones and then everybody else. And if, if you can grab a defensive end or a outside linebacker at 30, which I think that you can and get a guy that's, can still be uh, impactful from week number one. 
I I chose with my 12th pick to go with Cody Ford, the offensive tackle out of uh, Oklahoma, a guy that I think um, can kind of move across the line and could potentially be a uh, replacement here pretty soon for one Mr. Brian Bulaga. So I went offensive tackle. You guys both go uh, defense in that number 12 pick. Before we move to number 30 uh, in the second first-round pick, how your thoughts on moving back from that number 12 pick uh you know i've heard mixed reviews from people that say don't trade back i you know it just i I don't know if people are just super gun shy about trading back from the ted thompson era but uh your thoughts on what it would take for you to be interested in trading back from that number 12 pick chris um it's going to take a lot because it really comes down to when is the next time the Packers are going to have the opportunity to have a pick that high at number 12 think because you know, the Packers, they picked number nine in 2009 when they got BJ Raji and then they didn't have a pick anywhere near that for the next 10 years. So I really feel like if you're going to trade back from that 12 pick, it better be for something pretty darn big. Now I could see possibly if they get an opportunity to trade their number 30 pick back and maybe get a, uh, an extra pick, but I don't see them trading back number 12. Number 30, maybe, kind of like what they did with uh, when they got Kevin King a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those – I think there's going to be too much talent there to not take someone at 12. Um, and I agree with Chris. I think that 30th spot and 44 are potential to use some of that equity to either move up or back. But I think you got to make a splash at 12. That, that 12th pick – I believe needs to be a starter. I don't know if that's been the 2019 season, but definitely in the 2020 season, that player needs to be a starter and impact the Packers team. So I, I'm, I would not prefer a trade if it happens. It, like Chris said, it, there better be, you better be getting some reward for that. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, it, it's really going to have, it would have to be kind of something that blows your socks off almost you could argue what it was last year because, you know, you trade back a few spots and, you know, you got this number 30 pick, which turned out to be, you know, for this year. So a situation like that, you know, it's hard to, hard to, uh, you know, get that twice, two years back to back. Um, so yeah. And with, with it being that high of a draft pick, it needs to be an impact and, uh, you know, it's almost not worth it just to kind of do it. Um, so we go to the number 30 pick, uh, I'll, I'll start off this time because I feel like mine is a little unique uh, when I went through <laughs> and did this mock because I just – I don't foresee a draft playing out like this where at pick number 30, this guy is still available um, because uh, he's somebody that could be projected to go number 15, even number 10 uh, if possible and – when he was there at number 30, it was just a no-brainer, and that was the cornerback out of LSU, Greedy Williams. I had the <laughs> same thing happen, Dan, and I, you were, like, setting it up, and I'm like, he's going to come with Greedy Williams. And that's that's the first draft I did. I'm like, I, how do you not take that guy? Yeah, I was on the right. edge of my seat right now when you were hyping that up. I'm like, who's he going to <laughs> It's Nick Bosa. No. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, no, no, I mean, so, yeah, I mean, 30, I, I would assume, Matt, if that happened for you, too, you go Greedy Williams there at 30 and yours? For sure. And I'm sitting there yesterday morning, I'm doing these drafts, and it's the first one I'm doing, and I'm like, it's like 7 a.m., right? I barely have a half a cup of coffee, and I'm rubbing my eyes. I'm like, 
that definitely says Greedy Williams at 30, right? I'm like, just click, instant, didn't really think about it. I'm like, that's a great value. Like, I love that pick. Greedy. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> almost, uh, at least for, for mine, the way it played out, you'd imagine that flip-flopping, you yes. know, Greedy Williams being picked at 12 and Cody Ford being available and falling to number 30, if anything. Um, but uh, great value there. Greedy Williams, I mean, he's a first-round draft pick, I think, surefire so no matter where he falls into the draft in the first round he's value at the at the uh in the first round uh so chris your 30th pick my 30th pick um i'm gonna be going with tight end from iowa noah fant all right i have him because you know of course tj is obviously the best tight end in the draft he's not i don't think he's gonna make it that far down but i think this guy here is vastly underrated simply it's kind of crazy to think that the two best tight ends come from the same same school, but I really think that because obviously going into free agency for tight ends for the Packers hasn't been as successful as we wish. So I really think that they're going to have to go into the draft to get a good tight end. Yeah, I'd have to agree. And, you know, Fant is someone that's obviously his name been around the Packers, one of these two first round picks for a long time now. So it's a, a couple of no brainer picks at, uh, at pick number 30. So, um, at the second round, pick number 12 in the second round. Um, Chris, how did you go in the second round? Because you've addressed now the defensive line, uh, or at least uh, outside linebacker position, and now the tight end position, which I think is probably the t- what is being considered the two biggest needs. So where do you go in round number two? Well, round number two, I, it really is based off of what they pick at number 30. If they pick defense again at number 30 – then I'm I'm going more with an offensive guy at 44. If they go with the tight end Noah Noah Fant that I want, then I will go more defense again at 44. So it all depends on what they pick before. But right now, 44. If they do go with uh, the tight end at 30, I have Taylor Rapp, free safety out of Washington, at 44. And that makes I mean this is. And I'll, I'll throw it. I'll throw in mine here just to follow up because mm-hmm. I think you and I maybe had the same kind of thought process where all three of us we did our uh, breakdown of the safety position because I went safety too and I went with my boy Nazir Adderley. Yeah, baby. At, uh, he, at pick it, it was twelve. A, in the it was basically round. a coin flip between those two guys, and then if they did, if they did go defense again at thirty, I had them picking a wide receiver in in round two. Yeah, I can I can see that too, especially in round number two. And I think with the safety position, we tid on them a lot. There's a lot of guys that can fall to that second round pick for the Packers that you can take. And so I I don't hate Taylor Rapp at that position. Um, you know, I went Adderley just because that's the guy I fell in love with. <laughs> um, Matt, your second round pick. We're all on the same page, boys. I think <laughs> tight end, I think honestly, like outside linebacker, then tight end at 12 and 30. And then we talked about this, right? The safety position is mm-hmm. super deep. Like, go get Taylor Rapp, go get Adderley, go get Thornhill, whoever at 44, you just take it. I don't want to say you're going to take like, or even Deontay Thompson, for God's sakes. Like, I'll take yeah. him at 44 if like he slips out of the first round. Why not? Like, I don't want it to be one of those situations where it's like, ooh, we missed on our top three safeties. We're going to take our fourth. Um, but I think that's exactly where I want them to take the safety because I see it's very deep. I look at the drop-off between tight end and outside linebacker being very drastic as well. Um, so make sure you get that in the top 30 picks. And then 44, I, I picked Taylor Rapp. I did another one where I have 
Adderley. So uh, either way, I'm very happy to pair that uh, gentleman up with Adrian Amos. Perfect. So I, it's a it's a mind meld here. We I mean we've all basically almost gone the same the same route here. So uh, the first two rounds, and I think maybe that's why because the first two rounds you kind of have these no brainer picks available. Um, so I'm interested to see what we get here in the third round because now it's a little bit more, um, you know, where people are falling into the third round and uh, what you have available. So hopefully we have a little bit of. Uh, variety here so um matt in the third round uh you just drafted a safety where do you go in round number three yeah and i look at the three that i already picked um i think those are high high needs we go to kind of maybe like a second tier of necessity and that would be offensive linemen whether it be a guard or a tackle um someone that maybe can play a little bit of a like a swing position um but i also look at inside linebackers so possibly even receiver um, in my initial one, I'm going to go with who I picked. I'm sure a lot of Packer fans will be happy about this for more reasons than one. Um, I'm going Andy Isabella, receiver out of Massachusetts. Very nice. Another another weapon for Aaron Rodgers that's always being talked about as, you know, get Aaron Rodgers another target, which uh, he desperately needs, especially with Randall Cobb leaving. Um, Chris, in the third round, where do you head? I, I stick with the you know wide receiver going because you know since 2010 the Packers you know they've made 27 picks in the first three rounds but only three of them have been wide receivers and I think they're probably going to break that because they really need some more firepower and while well, Andy Isabella you know a good slot receiver I have Miles Boykin wide receiver out of Notre Dame given that his great size that he has and I, huge so I really think that with the Packers they've been drafting wide receivers with huge size lately. And I, I, I don't see that changing. I think they're really going to go with Miles Boykin. If he's around for round three, I think you got to take him. Solid, solid pick again. I love, I love Miles Boykin as a as a wide receiver. I love, you know, any wide receiver pick here in round number three because I think with the way that you know the wide receiving core is set up now, you still want to give guys like Equinemius St. Brown and Valdez Scantling enough room to grow and give them the playing time available to grow. And I think if you take a wide receiver too early, like say in the first round, the pressure is there to immediately have them in there and start. And it, I worry that it stunts the growth of some of these other prospects here. So if you get a guy in this third round here, uh, it may be even a little bit later, it gives them uh, the ability to kind of grow in the system a little bit uh, easier. Um, for me, since I, uh, I didn't address this position early on in the first three picks, I went, uh, to the edge here, um, in round number three and out of Texas, the defensive end. And I, I have a terrible time trying to pronounce his last name. It's <laughs> Charles Amenihu is how I'm, I think is that's how it's said. Um, Charles Amenihu, he's a really, I mean, just a guy that, goes downhill real quick twitch super fast on the edge not much uh discipline uh and kind of reading plays but he's super fast on the edge and i think at this third round pick a a value pick that um is hard to pass up especially with uh in my draft not addressing uh that position early on uh so those are the first three rounds we're going to look at the the rest of them here but i don't think we're going to go as in depth um 
in those. And so, uh, Matt, how about you just take us take us through the rest of your your draft picks here? Um, you know, elaborate as much as you want on on your decisions or the picks where you got them from, um, but just kind of give us a quick rundown of of what you did in the rest of the draft. Definitely. So I have two. I'm kind of just going comparing and contrasting with that I did. Um, we'll go for the obviously the first two picks and the fourth. Um, we're going to go with the same thought that we already grabbed a tight end in that first round, which I think is super important. Um, so that takes me to my other draft, which is uh, J.K. Polite from the DN from Florida. I don't see him being a fourth-round pick just because I think he's more talented than that. I think he had a – I mean, we all know he had a really, really bad draft day – or, excuse me, a combine. Um, but that's someone I look at value and firstpick.com says I did an A-plus on his pick, and I would agree with them. So – um, a defensive end kind of to complement uh, Brian Burns. I think you're kind of solidifying those uh, free agent acquisitions and then your, you know, your Kenny Clark and your Mike Daniels. Um, my second pick in the fourth round would be an offensive guard. Um, you want to talk about butchering a name. Uh, Ross Pierschbacher. I think I actually did okay on that. Uh, guard from Bama. Uh, I think that's a nice addition to the, you know, the offensive line. Um, we go to the fifth round. I went with Lil Jordan Humphrey. Now, this is not the one where I picked Isabel in, but I think grabbing a receiver late, I see a lot of talent at the receiver position this year. Um, someone like you know Chris already talked about in Boykin. Um, I, anywhere within that you know that third round or that fifth round, I think is very important for the receipt for the uh, the Packers to grab a receiver just so Aaron Rodgers has another weapon and you pair him with um, Lafleur's offense. Uh, bumped down to the sixth round. In both of these, I went quarterback, believe it or not. Um, one of them I went with uh, Brett Ripien, and the other one I went with Tanner Magnum. Uh, or Magum. Uh, Packers have had luck with uh, BYU quarterbacks. Uh, unfortunately, they let hit that one go. But I think that's important to have, um, you know, give a quarterback a chance to, um, you know, or maybe LaFleur a chance to groom someone. We're not going to, you know, the Packers aren't going to grab someone in the early rounds by any means. I don't think it would be a shock if it did. Weird things have happened, as we know, in Packers draft history. But uh, I think that's important just to have, you know, Lafleur be able to coach someone up on his system, start from scratch and kind of mold him. Um, and then my second, sixth pick or sixth round pick, I went with um, Ed Alexander, D-tackle from LSU. Again, same type of thing, just like with Polite. I don't see Ed Alexander being there. However, great value if you can get him in the sixth. And then the final pick, um, I also went with another offensive guard slash offensive tackle, which I love the combo of uh, Juan Bouchel Beattie from Michigan. Solid overall. I, I, I agree with you on the Ripian pick. I made that pick as well. I okay. think um, I, I think this nice. draft class in the quarterback side of things has a lot of late round value where you can, you know, take a flyer on a guy like that and hope that he develops into something, you know, a possible backup and maybe a trade asset, like a, like a Brett Hundley kind of, kind of was. And, you know, it's, it keeps getting said that this is the same, you know, Aaron Rodgers is the same age that, you know, Brett Favre was when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. And so, it never hurts to kind of keep looking ahead to the to the future with that. Um, but uh, Chris, uh, take a look, take us through, um, you know, what the rest of your draft would look like. Who 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 are guys that you um, 
you know have your eye on or at least just uh, positions that you think should uh, still be addressed as we get later on into the draft? Well, for round four, the first pick in round four, I have Jermaine Pratt, linebacker out of North Carolina State. I got him because I really think that inside linebacker is still a huge need for the Packers. I mean, Blake Martinez is great. But, you know, you got Jake Ryan, who's gone, and then Oren Burks. Is he really going to make a huge leap this year? And so I looked at Jermaine Pratt, and he's a linebacker who used to be a safety. Another guy kind of like Oren Burks. Guy who was a safety, goes into inside linebacker to really help with press coverage. So I think him at number four, round four, or even round if he's in round five, to pick him up. Then I start going more into offensive linemen because I really feel you can pick up some good linemen in the fourth, fifth rounds. You look at Corey Lindsley, David Bakhtiari, uh, and then uh, TJ Lang, Josh Sitton. All those guys were picked in the middle rounds. So I looked at uh, Bobby Evans, offensive tackle out of Oklahoma. And then round five, I stick with offensive tackle with Mitch Hyatt, at uh, offensive tackle out of Clemson. And then in round six, I got uh, – uh, I got Ed Alexander, defensive tackle out of LSU, and uh, quarterback. Uh, I got only Kyle Shermer, quarterback out of Vanderbilt, just because not saying that guy's going to be anything special, but the Packers really need just a solid backup. And I know you can get solid backups later in the round. Like, because you look, look at Matt Flynn, that guy was picked in the seventh round. So they just need somebody like that. And uh, like Matt said earlier about getting a guy who can start from scratch with the, with their new head coach, middle floor. So. And then round seven, I had a guy. Sorry, you guys, I'm terrible at pronouncing names. <laughs> I think you guys probably know where this is coming. Um, what is it, Chidi Okiki? <laughs> yeah, offensive tackle, Tennessee State, dude. I saw you nailed that it. guy's name. That guy's name. I'm like sold. That guy. That is awesome. <laughs> and because offensive tackle, I'm not looking at it just to replace Brian Bulaga. It's also because I don't even think they're going to even try to resign Jason Spriggs. So that's two guys who are going to be gone. So you're going to have to build up. I hope exactly. not. So I don't. So I think they're going to have to build up some depth at offensive line eventually. Yeah, I mean, and then not only just depth on the offensive line, but guard play last year was awful. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, if you can find guys that can play anywhere on that line, um, you know, maybe they take over the tackle position later and they play guard now or they, you know, just kind of move around. You know, I, I've always heard the term jars on the shelf. You know, you want to be able to just if, if one breaks, you want to just grab one off the shelf and, and plug them back in. And, you know, I, I never think it's it's a bad idea to have uh, quality you know looks at the rest of your offensive line. Um, and interesting, too, again, we all got a quarterback in there as well in the late rounds. So for me, the first pick in the fourth round, uh, I finally addressed the wide receiver position with uh, Jacoby Myers from NC State. I think he's a bit of an underrated wide receiving talent because I think he fell into the quote-unquote system there at NC State. I think, you know, the way that Ryan Finley plays – and, uh, you know, the system that they do there, I think some of their talent offensively is a little underrated. And he's also a, a slot guy that I think can kind of hopefully fill in uh, the Randall Cobb roles uh, as well. My second pick, I now finally get to the tight end position, and I picked Elise Mack from Notre Dame, who, 
you know, when they describe his his play, the Jimmy Graham style, where he's just a, a really big guy, might not be the best route runner, but he's big enough that he can kind of make his presence still feel known, uh, no matter where he goes. Uh, round number five pick, uh, I took David Long out of West Virginia. He's uh, a outside linebacker. Also played a little bit of inside linebacker at West Virginia as well. Uh, you know, just kind of again to address that the off the um, the linebacking position for the Packers. Uh, I think he's a guy that uh, will take. You know, again, a lot of these guys you're not expecting to kind of jump in right away. So he's a bit of a project, but I think he's one that can make it happen if if so. And uh, I followed that up in round number six, the first pick. I went inside linebacker again with Cole Holcomb from North Carolina. Uh, you know, the same, just kind of the same thought process with David Long. And then uh, the second pick in round number six, uh, just like uh, Matt had, I took Brett Rippian, the quarterback from Boise State. And then uh, in round seven, I'll get your guys' take on this because it's a wide receiver uh, who is a, he's a, a big name. Uh, at least in the college football circles, you know, maybe not in the draft side of things, but when it, college football season was around and in a lot of the mocks that I was doing, he always fell into the sixth, even seventh round. And that's Hunter Renfro uh, <laughs> from Clemson, which, uh, you know, it just seems like to me, if he's going to fall down to seven, it's, it's almost like a, like you have to get him because if he's going to fall to you at seven, that you just you can't stare a gift horse in the mouth like that and pass up, you know, a talent that is uh, you know has been as productive as Hunter Renfro. But that's where uh, all of mine break out for uh, for the uh, for the rest of the draft. So we'll kind of put a bow on this here, guys, since we've looked through our mocks and uh, you know, again. We're doing. I think Matt, you kind of when you brought up doing it on different sites is crucial because you know each site uses different uh, you know algorithms and information to kind of project these out. And so you know what could be guys that could be dropping to you on one site you know are gone in the first couple of picks on another. And so a lot of these mock drafts are just so arbitrary. But I think really what the point we've gotten across is you know. I think the Packers, no matter what they do, should be looking at just the best available at each pick. And I think overall, that's what we've kind of done here. So overall, Matt, let's let's do this. Today, the Packers draft in the first round here. What's going to make you the happiest after the end of the first round today? And what's something, if they draft this player in the first round... Uh, will make you like the most upset outside of like if they drafted a kicker at number number twelve or something. But you know, <laughs> it, what? Give me a, a best case and worst case scenario for the end of today. Sure, my uh, my best case is you know I'm more optimistic, which is rare for me when it comes to the Packers of the last six months. <laughs> but I would say optimistic wise, it's uh, Brian Burns, it's T.J. Hawkinson. Um, you know, it's maybe someone that slips out of the top 10 that shouldn't be there for the Packers on defense. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, I guess upset, I would probably think in the top three, maybe even the top, I'll say top two upset would be grabbing a offensive tackle or a guard. I don't think there's 
it, I wouldn't have a problem with the talent that's there. I know there's a few uh, few gentlemen that I've seen that can play both positions when I'm doing the mock drafts, but Packers have had a lot of success later in rounds drafting them. Um, I would much rather that happen, but um, don't be desperate. That's all I'm going to just they, – they, they, the Packers put themselves in a position to not be desperate in this draft. So you know, keep that in mind. Know that, hey, you are set up. Maybe a Greedy Williams does fall at 30, unlikely. But maybe it does happen, um, and just you know, understand where your actual needs are. Try to fill them as best you can, but don't you know? Don't be afraid to grab someone that can actually you could you could plug and play and be a starter um, in September. Uh, Chris, same question to you. Yeah, I agree. I think the 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 best scenario would be to finally grab a great pass rusher, a great stud defensive uh, player at number twelve. Once again, he kind of Matt hit the nail on the head. To me, getting an offensive tackle or an offensive guard at number 12, I just feel you can grab such great players later in the mid-rounds. For example, you know, Bulaga was a first-round pick, and yet you can make an argument, you know, he was nowhere near as good as Bakhtiari. He was a fourth-round pick. So I can always think of getting some good offensive linemen in the middle rounds and not wasting it on a high draft pick. In, or uh, and I know this is also crazy to think, but hopefully they don't go after uh, a wide receiver as well at that high a pick. I feel with Aaron Rodgers and a great offensive line, they can really mold a great wide receiver that they can get in the mid rounds, especially because you're going to have to learn to get on the same page with Rodgers and all that. And in getting a guy at number 12, you expect them to start right away. And that's not going to really truly happen with the, brand new wide receiver, even if it is, you know, like an A.J. Brown or a Marquise Brown. Guys, I feel personally attacked uh, because <laughs> I feel like I feel like all of, everyone's worst case scenario was don't take an offensive tackle in the first the first pick. And yeah, you heard that correctly. <laughs> um, no, and I, I respect that. And, you know, I, I Matt, maybe you maybe you kind of dissected me a little bit. You know, maybe I got a little panicked to take a a tackle like that, that early on. Um, But I'll still stand by my Cody Ford pick. Uh, I I would, I think um, you guys are right. There's really for me at just the first round, I want to see guys that are going to come out and make a impact very early on. And maybe it's something that we don't see, uh, you know, the fruits of a couple of until a couple of years from now, but you know, with this draft, I want somebody that's going to be a Clay Matthews or a BJ Raji type player because it's been a long time since, you know, we've had a draft where we get somebody in the first round, at least I think, where you don't have to talk yourself into it being a good pick in the first round, where instead, like, you know, you get somebody and you're instantly like, you, this was an absolute home run kind of pick worst case scenario for me i i am really in the anti tight end at number 12 camp so i I really don't want to see a tight end taken that high um especially with the players that you have in front of them with jimmy graham and you just re-signed mercedes lewis and you know you're already trying to work both of those guys into the offense and you know where where does a where does a, a Noah Fan or TJ Hawkinson fit into that? I just with the number twelve pick, I'd much rather see somebody that plays uh, you know much closer to the ball 
which by which I mean at least on the offensive or defensive line for most of the time, you know, somebody that's impacting the, the line of play that quick. So I would hate to, I, I really would not like to see a tight end uh, that early on. So that would be, I think my worst case scenario, but um, you know, it's, it's not up to us at, at the end of the day. Uh, Can you imagine if it was though? If it was up to us, I mean, we'd be the Oakland Raiders with, uh, with John Gruden and Mike Mayock running the entire uh, war room. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy by the way that f- firing or dismissing whatever they did with those scouts i can't even it's par for the course though, right i, now I for cannot them. wait for the 30 for 30 that eventually comes out about the the john gruden return to oakland but guys uh it's like i said <laughs> it, all the talk is now officially done uh you know we're the oh, last man. kind of gas bag to to throw our our opinions out into the ring and now it's officially time to go out and and do the damn thing. So uh, I, I'm excited about it. You guys, I know you've said you're excited. Uh, fans are itching for it. So I guess we'll finish off. Just enjoy the experience, uh, you know, especially with two first rounders. is a, a, a big moment for Packers and Packers history. So enjoy it. Uh, and make sure that you're following us because, you know, as we go through these first couple of rounds, we're going to have great coverage of everything that the Packers are doing. Uh, obviously after the draft, you've got undrafted free agents and everything else. And then, you know, then the off season really kicks into gear. Uh, so make sure you're sticking with us through all of that, following us on Twitter, all the social media at pack a day podcast, uh, like rate review. Uh, it's a huge help to us, uh, guys, they can follow you. Uh, listeners can follow you on Twitter and everywhere else. Uh, Chris, I always like to say yours because I feel like you don't always believe that I know what it is, but I do because you're at Chris Schimmel. Um, <laughs> Matt is still trying to learn. I know yours is uh, a little bit more different, but you just tell the people where they can find you. No problem. No problem. Uh, my Twitter is at Matt underscore Frey underscore. It's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Perfect. And then uh, myself on Twitter at DK all the way. Um, so make sure you give us a follow. Let us know what you think about our mocks. Uh, you know, give us your final ones as we head into the rest of today. But like I said, enjoy to draft day, guys. Uh, enjoy the rest of this draft weekend. And as always, uh, we finish off every episode with a big, hearty Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. With the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers. Who are you supposed to be? I'm Captain America. Rodgers takes quarterback sneak, reaches over, and the ball came loose, but it's a touchdown! The touchdown, Green Bay! Rodgers reached it over, and the Packers have taken the lead! To announce the Green Bay Packers selection... Please welcome wide receiver James Lofton. With the 53rd pick of the 2014 NFL Draft, the 13-time NFL champion Green Bay Packers select Devontae Adams. I am Thor, son of Odin. Rogers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end zone. Devontae touchdown and a dagger! They beat Morris Claiborne to the back line of the end zone. The Packers have won it! With the 18th pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Jair Alexander. The truth is, I am Iron Man. Snap, blitz on, Allen running for his life, gets by Reggie Gilbert, pulls it back over the...
seventh pick in the 2016 NFL Draft. The Green Bay Packers select Kenny Clark. Oh, Packers showing blitz snap to Cousins under some pressure. He's had snap. Kenny Clark. They have a deal in place with the Chicago Bears. Mac is on his way to Chicago. I want to be great. I want to be great. I want to be known as one of the best to play the game. I've always thought of myself as the best defensive player in the league. That's what comes with Mac. Tell me his name again. Thanos. Read it. Run from it. Destiny arrives all the same. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. The Avengers? Us mightiest heroes. Sort of like a team. Five letters here. Just for everybody out there in Packerland and yourself today. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're in the end game now. There's one goal here. Always has been one goal. That's to win world championships. We're excited to get started. It is my pleasure to introduce Matt LaFleur, as the 15th head coach of the Green Bay Packers in our 100th season. I'm all about family. If that's one thing you're going to learn about me, it's I, I love my family. I did have the opportunity to talk to Aaron, and I'll tell you what, I, I, I cannot wait to get to work with him. I think he's equally as excited. With the 12th pick, the Green Bay Packers select 